the prayer and ask the Ruach to speak to us today. Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov, Elohe Yeshua Mishikenu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, Yeshua, our Messiah, we, Lord, come before you today, Lord, in complete confidence, Lord, that you are the God of all the earth and that there is nothing impossible for you. And God, no matter what giant we are facing in our lives, Lord, whether it be sickness, disease, Lord, whether it be lack or family relations, God, no matter what it is, Lord, that you're able, God, to defeat the giants, Lord, that come against us, your people. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would breed, Lord, an extra measure of confidence in each and every heart today as we, Lord, delve into your word, Lord God, that you would empower us by your ruach and change our lives. And everyone said, Amen. A couple of things before we get, we get going. That class, Yeshua, who is he? We developed it because um, specifically for G- your Jewish friends and Jewish workmen, whoever you know that, you know, they hear you talking about Yeshua and perhaps they have their own conception of who Yeshua is. You know, maybe they think of him as a Gentile deity or perhaps they, who's Yeshua? This is a way for them to be able to come in in a half hour, it's four modules that's going to be rotating, that they could come from 10 to 10.30, so it's not overly long. They could learn about who Yeshua is from the Hebrew scriptures in a Jewish perspective, ask questions. They don't even, you know, they don't have to stay for a service or anything like that, but they could come and hear about who Yeshua is from a Jewish perspective. And um, so it's a tool for you to use. So if you have Jewish friends, Jewish neighbors, Jewish family members, and you don't know how to introduce the topic or you know that they're interested, um, that's a good thing for you to suggest to them, for them to come to this. Okay, they could come in and come out stealth. No one's going to accost them or anything. They could come in and and learn and leave and then make their own decision. So we wanted to to make sure uh, you take advantage of that. So... Do it. Amen. Today's message is entitled Conquering Fear. Anyone ever been afraid? Perhaps you're afraid now. Um, You know what? We can look around our world and in the natural, there is a lot to be afraid of. People are afraid. And God has a lot to say about conquering fear because fear is a debilitating thing. And fear is not what God wants his people to walk in. Last week, we started a series on conquering your giants. Rabbi Carroll gave us nine steps to consider when facing our giants. Understanding that we all face giants of some type. And when we do, there are usually two general responses, right? Fear, because after all, it's a giant. Right? You ever see a giant? Probably not, but you have in the sense that these things that come against us seem and loom very large in our life. And they could either cause us to be fearful or it's an opportunity for faith to rise up and to defeat that giant. So we're going to look at a portion of our text that Rabbi Carroll gave us last week to consider. And it's found in Shmuel Aleph, chapter 17, verses 23, 24, and 32. As he was talking with them, David talking to his brothers, there came the champion, the Plishti from Gat named Goliath. From the ranks of the Plishtim saying the same words as before, and David heard them. When the soldiers from Israel saw the man, they all ran away from him, terrified. David said to Shaul, no one should lose heart because of him. Your servant will go and fight this plishti. Like we heard last week, this Goliath, this Goliath, this giant had to be some massive hulking creature. 
we see that the soldiers ran away from Goliath in fear. Actually, it was fear on steroids, wasn't it? They weren't only fearful, they were terrified. When's the last time you used that word, that you were terrified? Doesn't happen often, but they were. Contrast that to David, who was looking to go and fight this giant of a man, Goliath. We have the same scenario, right, with two different reactions. And since we don't get to choose when or where the giants of fear will come knocking at our door, we can, however, prepare for it when it does. You you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen as you leave the doors today. You don't know a phone call you might receive, some news you might get that might cause fear to come against you. And so we need to be prepared because you know what? The enemy uses fear against the people of God to get them to stop doing what God has for them to do because he knows this, if he could get you to stop doing what God wants, and start being fearful and afraid, he could walk all over you and all over the kingdom of God. So he uses fear and intimidation to suppress the kingdom of God. Maybe you're here today and fear um, is a real thing in this current moment. Maybe you're struggling with fear. And you find yourself fearful over any number of things. The good news is that with God's help, you can overcome and conquer the giant of fear. Amen? You don't seem convinced. With God's help, you can overcome and conquer the giant of fear. So if we look at the story, just on the surface, we could see that fear caused an entire army to leave their post and hide in terror. I don't think we've ever seen that. Right? In modern history, could you think of many occasions where an entire army ran in fear? I'll tell you why. Because these are people who were trained to be able to deal with you know, seemingly impossible odds. Yet these men were quite fearful. It, cost, it caused battle-tested soldiers to abandon their training and shrink back from their duty to God and country. The truth is fear can manifest in many, many different or combined symptoms that are detrimental to our well-being, both spiritual and otherwise. Fear has a physical effect on our body. I want to read a little bit of an article from Psychology Today, of all places. Because the article is entitled, The Anatomy of Fear. Because we think sometimes, oh, it's just fear. I could go, poof, and it's going to go away. That's not necessarily, or it's just fear. And this is what he says, fear is an emotion we all experience at one time or another, and its effects are important to understand. As soon as you feel fear, the amygdala a small almond-shaped organ in the center of your brain sends signals to your atomic nervous system, which then has a wide range of effects. The ANS kicks in and suddenly your heart rate increases, your blood pressure goes up, your breathing gets quicker, and stress hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol are released. You ever been afraid and had that happen? All of a sudden, you're starting to get nervous and you feel this increase of stress in your life. The blood flows away from the heart and out towards the extremities, preparing the arms and legs for action. Hopefully and usually it's to run, right? Ah, Let's get out of here. That's what happened to the children of Israel. However, bodily responses to fear can be detrimental, especially since the most important one is a negative one. The brain basically shuts down as the body prepares for action. The cerebral cortex, the brain's center for reasoning and judgment, is the area that becomes impaired when we sense fear. We don't, you ever hear that term? I'm not thinking straight. Doesn't that sound like the enemy to come in to get us not to think 
quite straight. You want to know why sometimes maybe a family member or an employer all of a sudden comes in and does kooky things? Because maybe they gripped with fear over something, maybe how the business is going or something in their life, they're overwhelmed and they become fearful and all of a sudden they're not thinking clearly. And they start doing things that seem out of character and off. And even disobedient to God. The ability to think and reason decreases as time goes on. So thinking about the next best, best move in a crisis can be a hard thing to do. We wonder why people sometimes make poor decisions. Some people even experience feelings of time slowing down and tunnel vision or feeling like what's happening to them at that particular moment isn't real. Fear has this gripping effect on the human psyche. It's real. It's invisible. Remember we talked about the invisible enemy. You might not be able to see him, but you could certainly feel him and sense him when he comes at you with an intimidating spirit of fear. So what does the scripture say about our response to this giant called fear? And how can we overcome? It gives us really two Hebrew words. Al-tirah. Say that. Al-tirah. It means fear not. It's found over a hundred times in the Hebrew scriptures. So my first point is al-tirah. Fear not. Don't give in to fear. And the Bible says it over a hundred times for good reason. When it says not to fear, what it's really talking about is our response to fear. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't help it when you feel those things you feel. Like you're walking in a dark alley. Right? And the truth is, there could be really nothing there. But then you get an image about a movie you saw. And all of a sudden, really a non-threatening situation, all of a sudden you begin to get gripped by fear. And you get a little nervous and you get a little sweaty and, and things begin so those effects are real. Yet they're not rooted in truth in that instance. How do we respond when fear attempts to grip our hearts? Like I said, sometimes it appears warranted since fear can be based in reality. David perhaps had a right to be fearful, no? How many of us are going to raise our hands? I'll go fight Goliath. I'm going to go fight the giant. Well, dude, man, you're five foot two. You sure you want to take that on? He's ten foot tall. You want to fight the giant? Yeah, I'll go fight him. He was probably about four foot wide or even more. He was huge. Um, David had perhaps the right to be fearful and sometimes fear is based in reality. But many times fear is not based in reality. Rather, our imagination begins to, to, to get going. Come on, you've been lying there in bed at night your husband or your wife fell asleep, and all of a sudden you feel something weird in your body. You know, our bodies go through, have these things, and you feel a pain or this or that. And now all of a sudden, fear comes in, and you start thinking, maybe I got. And your imagination starts going. And instead of dispelling that, in about 20 minutes, you talk yourself into some deadly illness. And then you're starting to get worried. And then you finally get to sleep and you move on and you go about your day. And then the next night you get it again. And now you're like, oh my gosh. Curtains for me. Now the fact is, it was the workout you did you know, like four days ago. And that little strained muscle, like right around here. It wasn't your heart. But you start thinking because your imagination starts to go wild and get away from you. 
And that's when fear is not based on reality. But it's based on the thinkings and the imaginations and the enemy who shoots these fiery darts at us to cause us to stop in our tracks to fear and not move forward. Simon Jacobson says this about fear. Fear is perhaps our greatest enemy. Not because it is loud and aggressive, but because it's invisible. There is a person, there is... There, is there a person alive that does not suffer from some fear, known or even worse, unknown? And what effects do our fears have on our lives? Hear this. What impact does it have on our choices? I'm afraid, so I'm not going to fight like God wants me to fight. I'm afraid, so I'm not going to give to God. I'll tell you what fear will do. It will get you to disobey God. I'm not going to go into the battle fray because I'm afraid that God is not going to come through for me. I'm afraid to pray for that person because what if they don't get healed? I'm afraid to take a step of faith for a new job because what if my family suffers? Fear. Yet that might be the very path to where God wants to bring you next. I'm afraid to go back to school. I'm too old. So it affects and impacts our choices and ambitions, our behavior. It causes us perhaps to get jealous, angry, and so other many emotions that it brings to us. Fear is at the root of these things. Something we can't see, yet we feel It can't even be measured. We fear, and it causes us to shrink back, like in the story. We fear, and it causes us to disobey God, which is probably the worst thing that it does in our lives. I can remember, and I can think of many, many instances in my life where God had spoke to me, And fear gripped my heart because it was so far out of my comfort zone. I didn't want to do it. From stories from giving, when God says give, you know, give a thousand bucks. And you look in the checkbook and you have a thousand bucks. And I'm like, God, 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 if I give a thousand bucks, I have no bucks. And then you, you say, no, that must have been the pizza last night. God wouldn't ask me to do such an unreasonable thing. And you push it aside. Then all of a sudden, it comes back to you. Like, and he says, give a thousand bucks. And they say, God, I only got a thousand bucks. And then you know in your spirit, it's something God wants you to do. But fear grips your heart to get you to disobey. It's done that many times. It's done... That to me, in obeying God in giving, it's done that in obeying God in um, uh, ministry. God, God, I don't really want to do that. That's that's so far not. That's not me. I can't do it. And God says, "Do it." And I know He's saying, "Do it." And I have this fear of doing it. And what do you do? What's my option? Do I disobey God? Not a good choice. Or do I face my fear? I can tell you this. Every time that I have faced my fear, God has defeated the giant of fear. Every time. But can I tell you, before you make that decision, boy, that thing looks huge. It looks like Goliath. And you're like this, staring at it. <laughs> God, you're not, God, you're crazy. God, do you see the size of this thing? It's just me, little old me. Matter of fact, when he told us to build this building, and we're in the architect's office, and boy, everything looks small on paper, you know? Gosh, the paper's only this big. Ah, no big deal. And then as it started going up, like, God... 
Are you crazy? God will have you to face your fears. And we can shrink back. But the truth is, you never shrink back into safety. Because you know what happens? If you shrink back, that fear, okay, is going to eat your lunch all day long. Every, at every turn, it'll turn from fear of this to fear of that. Next thing you know, you won't be able to do anything without being afraid. You know, you'll hold on to things so tight that you won't even enjoy living your life. God doesn't want us gripped by fear that everything we do, we're frightened to do. Do you know what? Some people are even afraid to go to the doctor. I know people that are afraid to go to the doctor because they're afraid that the doctor might find something that isn't good. So they don't go to the doctor. Those are the people, oh, doctors, you know, you know, they're always wrong and this, that, and the other thing. Now, listen, I could probably say this. There's two things I don't love to go to. I don't love to go to the doctor because at my age, he's usually doing things to me that are a little unpleasant. <laughs> and I'm not so eager to go, you know, so I'm like, later with the doctor, you know. But I go because it's prudent to go. And the other person is the dentist. Time you go to the dentist, he's going to get in your mouth. And he's, you know, he always has a, this uncanny habit to find a root canal somewhere. I mean, can't I just get a cleaning and leave? I mean, no, he's always got to take the root canal and it has like 50 roots, you know. And they're like 120 a root, you know. He lets you know that. I'm going to do a little root canal. You know, there are 125 a root. Well, how many roots do I have? Well, you have actually have. This is an abnormal tooth. You got about 50 roots. So we have a payment plan, you know. As your mouth is open, he's got that thing in your mouth and he's talking at you. Oh, thanks, Doc. You got the payment plan. So I don't love to go to the doctor, probably like most of you. But the truth is, I'm not afraid to go to the doctor and we shouldn't be afraid. Oh, I'm not feeling good. What if they find mm, that word? What if they find this word? Well, let me tell you this. If they find it, with God's help, you'll face it and overcome it. I want to tell you a quick story. Our very good friends, Ron and Marcia Corbett, Messianic rabbis of Shirei HaShemayim, in Baldwin. And Marcia had been struggling with some melanoma that she was being treated for, and they were treating for it, and everything was under control and done and taken care of, so she thought. Well, just a few, two months ago, not even two months ago, maybe six weeks ago, she went on a, 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 a missions trip, came back, and she was losing a balance. She couldn't stand up straight. She thought maybe she was working out too much because she's a, she, and here's the other thing, eats as clean as a whistle. Everything's organic and green and but, but everything, clean as a whistle. Exercises and goes walking diligently. Her weight is perfect, the whole bit. But she, so maybe I, I overdid it on the, on the treadmill. Next thing you know, she can't grab things. It's not good. She needs to go to the doctor. Well, they found five legions on her brain, cancerous legions. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, man. Not good. Well, last week and Sunday, or actually go back to the Friday, the Shabbat before Friday, I get a call from Rabbi Ron, and and he says, Michael, do you think uh, you and Carol could come on Sunday and pray for um, Marcia, you know, this is after she had brain surgery. She's doing well, but, you know, there's more testings and follow-up treatment they want to do for her and stuff. I said, absolutely, we'll be there. So we had the, I said, you know, we have a congregational women's thing, and after the women's thing, you know, me and Carol head out, and we'll go see them. So we go there, and, and, and go in there. I said to my wife, you know what, we, you know, you don't know what to expect. She just had brain surgery. What's she going to be like? 
a shell of a formal self, you know, what, what you, what's what you going to be like? Well, we pull up to the house, get out of the car, and as I'm walking up, I see Marcia at the door, full head of curly hair, talking, walking, like she did not miss a single solitary step. And she goes on to tell us how God was with her in the whole process and led her to the doctors and she's witnessing to the doctors and she's praising God in the MRI table and she's speaking the word of God throughout the whole situation. She says this, hey, this is what I got. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom of God. And instead of being afraid to face brain cancer, she faced it. And with the help of God, she took down the giant. And the giant went thump. And that's why Moshe answered the people of Israel. when they were terrified of the Egyptian army that was on their heels. And he said this, Al-Tirad, do not be afraid. He said, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never, say never, never see again. In Devarim 31 and 6, he said, be strong and courageous. I want to tell you, David was strong and courageous in the face of fear. Maybe you're facing something that wants you to get afraid and to shrink back. And God would say to you this, be strong and courageous and al-tirah, do not be afraid. Don't be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you and never forsake you. Say that. Say, God will never leave me and never forsake me. See, it's not about bad things never happening to us or being afraid when they do. See, we think, oh my goodness, something bad is happening. There's something wrong. I want to tell you there's everything right. When bad things happen, it's because there's a bad enemy out there that hates the people of God, that hates you just because you call on the name of Yeshua. But when they happen, don't be afraid to face it in the eye and say, hey, Goliath, I know what you're saying, that you're going to eat my lunch today, but let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to feed your head to the, to the birds of the air. Your carcass is going to lay dead on this battleground, and the God of Israel is going to be glorified. That needs to be your attitude with the giants you face. Maybe you're facing a giant in your marriage. Maybe you're facing a giant in your health. doesn't matter what it is. The same God that delivered David, the same God that delivered Moshe and the children of Israel, the same God that delivered Marcia is the same God that's going to deliver us. Right, Fred? The same God. That's going to deliver us. Right, Marlene? The same God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Tehillim, we sang it today, says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Can I tell you that the shadow of the valley of death is a scary place to walk? It doesn't say, though I never walk there, because we think we're not big and strong believers when, the go and get, when, the, when there's nothing going on in our lives. It's all about what are you when you're in the valley of death? What are you when you're tempted to be fearful? He said, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. I'm not afraid because the Lord is with me. Your rod on your staff, they comfort me. It's not the absence Of giants. It's what do you do in the face of your giants? You know, we did two series, right? Last one was the invisible enemy. And now we're talking about how that enemy manifests in our life. And fear is a big one. In this case, and in many cases, 
There is a real situation, a real giant, a real problem. And even though it seems daunting and huge, right, Natalie DiCrescento? Stage 4 ovarian cancer. Do you know what the world says when you have stage 4 ovarian cancer? Call in the person, say your goodbyes, go home, get your arrangements in order. How many years ago was that, Natalie? 1985. That's 30 years later, and she's doing well. Heal to the Lord. You want to know why that is? Because she didn't allow fear. No, 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 because I know what they did. They went home, and they grabbed a hold of God. And with the help of God in the valley of the shadow of death, he took them by the hand, and they came out the other side, alive and well and living And the giant went thump. There's an old Jewish saying, fear of misfortune is worse than misfortune. The pain and suffering of many difficult situations can be minimized if a person does not fear them and just faces them. The pain of worry can easily cause more suffering than the actual pain that would be caused by the situation itself. So the enemy had the children of Israel all worried, all afraid, all paralyzed, all magnifying the giant. This is a giant of giants. This is a man of war. This guy is bred, born and raised and fed just to do one thing, destroy people. And David had a totally different perspective. He said, no, you guys got it wrong, my brethren. This giant was born and bred and raised and trained to glorify the living God. And as big as he is, it's going to glorify how huge and massive and powerful is the hand of God as I take a little stone that God created and a slingshot that is made by the ground that God gave and I'm going to twirl my little puny arms and fling the stone and God is going to be in the stone and he's going to sink that stone so deep into that giant's head he's going to drop like a rock and God is going to be glorified. I want to tell you, you need to see that God is greater than anything and anyone and any situation and every fear that would come your way. Don't give in to fear. Don't allow it to control your thoughts or your actions. Don't say, I'm not going to go to the doctor because I'm afraid of what they might find. Go to the doctor and let God be glorified. Don't allow it to control you. Just like an impulse you may get to do or say something you shouldn't. You ever get those impulses? Come on. It was Friday yesterday. Driving around. Get an impulse as these crazy drivers around here cutting you off, slamming on the brakes. But what do you do? You subdue the thought. You say, no, I'm a godly person. Yes, I'm having an ungodly thought right now but I will not submit myself to it. And though I want to bless them with a brick, I will bless them with the blessings of Hashemayim. Lord, bless them so much that their foot comes off that. (laughs) So so as I tell my kids, so they can get out of my trunk. Sometimes I feel like I have my two kids in the back and the driver behind me. Because everyone drives on top of you here in New York, right? You see, Timothy tells us this. For God did not give us a spirit of fearfulness, but of power. Say power. Power. And love and discipline. That's what God gave you. And with those three things, with power, who? The power of God. With what? The love of God, knowing That God is with you. And with discipline that you don't have to. Some of us think 
we have to allow the enemy to put it. We, we, we just have to let him put every single raunchy thought into our brain. Every single fearful thought. We just have to accept it. And just, come on, keep it coming. And then we walk around saying, I'm so tormented by these thoughts. I'm so dis-. Listen, that's, God's given us discipline. No one forces me to think anything. I think what I want to think because God has given me the ability to dwell on what I choose to dwell on. I have a free will. I don't have to dwell on fear. I could choose to, no, no. I'm not dwelling on fear today. I'm dwelling on the awesomeness of God. God's glory dispels fear. I'm going to think about God and his word and his truth and his faithfulness. You know what? We're too often thinking about all the negative things. And we're going to, what? How many times do you want to go through the doctor report? Could you change one single thing? You already had the test. It's done. But you can change it going forward as you grab hold of God and say, God, you're going to get me through this. Whether supernaturally or whether through the doctor's hand or through surgery, no matter what, I am clinging to you and you will see me through. I have two more points. You know what they are? The next one is fear not. Altira. I have three points. Fear not, fear not, and fear not. So the second point is fear not, draw near to God. Okay? Shaul said to David, you can't go to fight this plishti. You're just a boy. Who that? Listen, let me paraphrase it. This is what he's saying. Who the heck are you? You're, you want, you, you're five foot tall, soaking wet. You're about 115 pounds. And you want to go fight the 550 pound champion. I don't think so. And David said, hey, <laughs> King Shaul, you don't get it. I know how big I am, but I have a relationship with God who's really big. And I've seen God do powerful things in my life. And while I was tending my father's sheep, a bear came in to take one of the the, the lambs. And God helped me to slay the bear. And then, you know what, King Shaul, another thing, as I was tending the sheep and worshiping God, all of a sudden this ferocious lion came up on one of the lambs. And it looked to tear it to pieces. But God gave me the courage to overtake the lion. Know what David was saying? Well, Shaul, you may be afraid because you don't know God. But I do know God. I've spent the best side of the past 10 years drawing near to God. While I've been in the business of tending my father's flocks. And I've been worshiping God on my harp. And writing songs. Maybe you know some of them. Right? We sang some of them today. <laughs> Maybe you know some of them. And do you know what ends up happening in the history of Shaul? He ends up recruiting David to do exactly that because he knew David had a, the hand of God on his life and then he knew God. And when Shaul was being tormented by demon spirits, he would have David come to his palace and play the harp and worship God. And the presence of God would come down and cause the demon spirits to flee. Why did David not fear? Is because he drew near to God. You and I need to draw near to God. Here's something David wrote. He said, Most High... When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, I praise his word. In God, I trust. I have no fear. What can human power do to me? Then he says another thing in Tehillim 118. From my being hemmed in, I called on you, God. He answered and gave me more room. With Adonai on my side, I fear nothing. I fear nothing. If you have a relationship with God, you can walk in this type of courage. Shaul couldn't walk in it. 
Even the men of Israel couldn't walk in it. They did not cultivate the nearness to God, the prox- your proximity to God is what makes the difference on whether you're going to walk in faith or walk in fear. Yes, you're going to face giants of all sorts. Your giant has its own name on it. But guess what? If you are someone who makes it a habit of drawing near to God, you can overcome that giant. So fear not and draw near to God. The scripture says there is no fear in love. And David knew God loved him. And David knew the goodness of God and the deliverance of God and the favor of God. And so it says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And David's love for God and God's love for David caused him really in his kishkas, he was not afraid of the giant. He saw that giant not as, wow, this could be my last day. He saw that giant as, this is my opportunity to show how great the God of Israel is. Fear not. And draw near to God. And lastly, my last point is, fear not. Face and fight your fear. It's not uncommon for people, even people of faith, to run from a fight or a potential fight due to fear. Like I said, people won't go to a doctor because they're afraid what they might hear. They're afraid they might be in the fight for their life. I want to tell you, go and face any giant that comes your way and let God deliver you. Messianic Jews 10.39 says, However, we are not the kind who shrink back and are destroyed. On the contrary, we keep on trusting and thus preserve our lives. You hear that? We keep trusting God and our lives are preserved. We keep trusting. And we have testimonies in this room right here of people who have trusted God in the midst of really potentially scary situations and are still here today serving, worshiping, praising, and blessing the God of Israel. Earlier I said, and I'm going to close with this, that sometimes fear appears warranted. Why? Goliath's a big dude. Cancer's a bad word. And since fear can be based in reality, I said appear for a reason. It appears warranted. Because in reality, God is bigger than all our fears. I'm not saying those things aren't big, but this is what I'm saying, God is bigger. And if you know him, you know I'm right. And that's the key, isn't it? If you know him, you know I'm right. There was an old song, was any, come on, parents, Veggie Tales? Anyone? Yeah. No, it's a, one of the favorite uh, of ours at one time in, in our house. We'd have the kids sing, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Do you know the rest of it? Bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. Yes, God is bigger than the boogeyman and he's watching out for you and me. Because the enemy likes to get people afraid right from the get-go. He wants little kids walking around afraid. He wants you walking around afraid. He wants the people of God walking around afraid. He wants everyone afraid because when he has us afraid, this is what he has. He has that scenario that we just read in our story. That's the scenario that's happened in our life. Every time we see Goliath, this is what we do. We run. We shrink back. But God is looking for someone. Could you just do this simple thing? Just go to the riverbed. It's dried up, I know. <laughs> and just find a couple of stones. And, and at this point, you're saying, God, you see the size of this guy? You see the size of this problem? And you want me to get stones? You want me to sing songs in the MRI? You want me to quote scripture? They're listening to me, God. They think I'm crazy. You want me to do that? 
yes, our fears are big, but God is bigger. If we don't run and hide from the fight, whether it be for our health, for our loved ones, for our congregation, for our Jewish people, if we don't run from it, we're going to win. No, we like David and men of faith everywhere in every generation face our fears and we fight them. We fight them in the natural like David did. He used a real stone and a real slingshot. God didn't do it. We, we give the credit to God, don't we? Of course, totally. You and I say God defeated Goliath. But in reality, there was a five-foot ruddy little kid who did God's work, who found the stones, and he actually found five stones for, Gol- for Goliath's brothers, just in case they showed up. And he found some stones and a slingshot, and he actually went before the giant and did it. So you and I have to do what we need to do in the natural. Marcia went to the doctor, went to the surgeon, went to the thing, and the whole time wasn't believing in them, was believing in God. And guess what? God has done a miracle. I was sitting there listening to her speak cogently and saying, my goodness, she just had brain surgery. What a miracle. We serve a big God. Like the children of Israel in today's scripture reading, Hannah Hernard, author of Hind's Feet on High Places, was once paralyzed by fear. She then heard a sermon on scarecrows that challenged her to turn her fear into faith. And this is the story. The speaker said, a wise bird knows that a scarecrow is simply an advertisement. It announces that some very juicy and delicious fruit is to be had for the picking. There are scarecrows in all the best gardens. If I am wise, I too shall treat the scarecrow as that it were an invitation. Every giant in the way which makes me feel like a grasshopper is only a scarecrow beckoning me to God's richest blessings. He concluded, faith is a bird which loves to perch on scarecrows. All our fears are groundless. And they're groundless in this sense. Yes, they're very much real, but so is God. And what I want you to get out of today, I want you to ask yourself this question. This is really the important question to ask. How well do you really know God? Not how religious, not how many times a week you read the Bible, how many times you come to service. How well do you know God? The person of God, Yeshua HaMashiach. How well acquainted with him are you? That's the important question. And you might say to yourself, well, I need to work on that. Well, good, work on it. And as you work on it, this is what's going to happen. The closer you get to him, your fears begin to melt away, like David's. They were very real to David's own brothers, but they weren't real to David. Because although David saw the same person they saw, David saw a God that was so huge looming over this little puny giant that it didn't scare David at all. And when we know Yeshua and we draw to know him that well, no matter what we face, we see it as very puny in the face of who God is. The God, does it say he's the God of some things? See, sometimes we say he's the God of Israel. He is. But he's not only the God of Israel, he is called the God of all the earth. He's called of the God in whom is God of the universe. He is the singular God who owns and is in charge of everything seen and everything unseen. And if you know him, you won't fear. So, my last verse of the day, Yirmiyahu 1.8, Be not afraid of them or their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Let's stand up. I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. 
I am with you to deliver you. And I want to say this. Some of you say, well, I don't know how with me God is. I'm not the best believer on the planet. God says, I am with you to deliver you, not based on our performance, based on the covenant he made with you. You said yes to him. He said yes to you. And because he did, he is with you no matter what you're going through. Wherever you go, whatever you face, whatever challenge, whatever difficulty, whatever giant, when fear comes to grip your heart, you can look it in the face and say, God is with me and I will overcome. It may be you may be going through a sickness, a challenge, disease, infirmity, malady. Maybe you're facing something for the past three or four years. Guess what? God is with you. David ran from King Shaul for 20 years. Okay, but guess what? God was with him, and he ended up prevailing. Guess what? God is with you, and you too will prevail, and you need to see that, and you need to declare that, and you need to live in that. Do not allow fear to get in your mind and say things that are not true. The enemy does not have power over you, just like Goliath did not have power over Israel. Okay, he tried to impose power, but David took him down. And when he tries to impose power on your life, you take him down by the blood of the lamb, by the word of your testimony, by the truth of God, and by you taking the hand of God and watching God bring a great deliverance in your life. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for each one of your people here. God, I know some people here are facing really big giants, but God, they are small potatoes in your sight. Because you are bigger and greater. Lord, you are exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. You are an awesome God. Doing wonders, oh God. You're awesome in praise. As we sing in the Michamoka, Lord, awesome in praise. Doing wonders. That's who you are and that's what you do. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would be with each one. That you would bless them. And Lord, let them be those who draw near to you and know you in this way. And we ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lift your hand. I'm going to say the ironic blessing. And then you're going to, I'm going to give you five minutes. I know, I'm generous. Five minutes. And we're going to turn around and have that special business meeting. So if you are a member or if you consider Beth Emanuel your home, you're invited to stay. So... May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Father, I pray, Lord, your sweet shalom would rest upon your people in Yeshua's name. Amen. So, thanks for listening. Again, five minutes meeting here in the synagogue.